Hello, um, I am Josh Sim, your head of sport at Raw 1251 AM, and in a special uh, interview for to celebrate Raw's Pride Week, uh, we've got Ethan Akani, a British hurdler and um, also a student at Loughborough College joining us today. Ethan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me on today as well. No, thank you for taking some time out to, to join us, chat to us. Um, I guess the obvious question that I, every interview seems to start off with nowadays is uh, how's your stay-at-home lockdown, lockdown quarantine yeah. stuff going? <laughs> it's it's all right, actually. It took a while to get used to, obviously, just because such a massive difference compared to what we were, like, what we were used to. Um, but it's been okay, actually. Um, I finished university for the year uh, about three weeks ago. So, like, since then, I've been giving myself, like, a theme for every week. So the first week was like music. So I played the piano and I was trying oh, wow. to learn a new piece every day, basically, like a new pop song or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the week after that, I tried to learn some new languages. So I studied German throughout school. And so I was continuing that on Duolingo. Oh, cool. And then I decided to pick up Russian and French as well. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and just try and try and learn those two for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and then this week's going to be like a film sort of um, dedicated week. So I've started off with Lord of the Rings, started off strong. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I'm going to do like a film every day or every other day or so. Yeah. Wow. That's, so that's, that's that way. <laughs> yeah, there's that's a lot going on there. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, like, like I've always, I, I, we were speaking a bit, like, I have, I have one more essay deadline, but after the deadline, languages, certainly topping up my languages is something I want to do, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, and, I mean, I can't, I, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, so I can't speak highly enough of Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so you say you're doing all these stuff in different, like, you know, week to week. Do you now have a sort of daily routine at all? Or is it now just so kind of because of all the different stuff, it's like every day is kind of different? Yeah, so like every day is a bit different, but I kind of have like a a routine, like a daily routine for my yeah. training because I, I usually do like a mobility or a stretching circuit every day. And then I'm kind of alternating between doing strength work, like whole body conditioning, upper yeah. body work and then core work on like different days just to like keep my like maintain my fitness basically for when mm -hmm. i can actually go back to a track and train again yeah yeah so i mean that was that leads to my like next question because you, you you say you're getting all this training in but um are you able to then you know contact your coaches and your and all the support staff that you you would normally have on a on a track are you able to now contact them virtually how are you do you have like a whatsapp chat like how does that how does that all work so I have my coach's number, so obviously we talk, um, and I still converse with my training group from Loughborough as well. Yeah. And we've all been given like um, a program to sort of follow, like a basic program, but um, we can work around it as well and just sort of like make it our own and do what we can with the resources that we actually have in our houses. Um, but it's also good because we've we still have access to like physios as well. So mm -hmm. um, just the other week I was calling the physio um, just to have a look and talk about um, something that was going on. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's great that we still have all this access despite being so far away. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one, I guess, no one would have could have prepared for it. Um, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, there's an interesting thing because I think a few months ago on our Instagram, we found a video of some guy doing a mock-up of athletics training. He was doing like the high jump on his bed, and he was finding like creative ways to do. Um, stuff like that do you have all the space in because I know obviously hur with hurdles right you need obviously a bit of space to you know to get mm -hmm. um, to train for that particular event so do you have how does that <laughs> do, you, do you do it in the garden like how does it work like in your uh, in yeah quite, quite literally I do I have been doing it in the garden so um, I actually get my chairs from inside like in the living room and yeah sort of space them out a little bit and try to do like drills and stuff over them mm -hmm. in the garden <laughs> since i don't actually have any hurdles so yeah it, at least it's something it's kind of like keeping the muscle memory in a way <laughs> yeah absolutely um just a quick reminder guys that you can if you are watching hello um whether it's on facebook now or maybe well unfortunately for those watching on youtube later you won't be able to send in your questions or comments because we'd have done this but um if you are watching on facebook remember you can send in your questions for ethan uh comment along as we kind of just meander our way through all these random topics that i've put together um yeah um I'm trying to I'm trying to find that's okay so let's we'll talk a bit about um your would you first of all would you have what was what would have been the plan um had it not been for coronavirus in terms of the yeah, your athletic season were there still events that you were preparing for so there this year was um it would have been my second year as like a as an under 23 but also as a senior in terms mm -hmm. of like because the hurdle heights change when you go like when you go through the ages yeah and this is my second year of being at like the absolute maximum so like the proper height and proper distance and so i firstly wanted to just improve my time improve my technique kind of get used to competing in different environments um yeah. but i also wanted to um go to like events such as bucks and nationals and come away with like a medal hopefully yeah. even gold um and then further go on to contest for other things such as europeans which would have been in august but obviously has been cancelled now mm -hmm. um and yeah so like despite there being like nothing this year anymore i've kind of like started to focus on things that next year and mm -hmm. just kind of like project my training to um a year and a half rather than just the year so yeah just kind of like work towards 2021 now yeah and i mean i know and, and i'm going on a bit of a tangent here but i know i mean you would have obviously seen the news about the olympics being put back a year um yes. as an athlete who i mean do you is it is it how much do you kind of when you're training and stuff how much is it timing that you get your peak performance at the right time for these events is there is there a lot of that when you plan out your training blocks and kind of slowly gradually kind of ramp up the intensity yeah so like timing is key for like time uh, sorry I'm stuck in. <laughs> timing is key for like one when you are aiming to peak at the right time because if you ramp up the intensity too quickly or yeah. too soon then you'll either peak early or you'll get injured because it's just so mm -hmm. much that your body can't really take it yeah, and I'm very lucky in the sense that my coach is extremely experienced. 
Um, he's coached so many amazing athletes beforehand, and I'm in great hands because he knows exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, even the indoor season this year, he timed my peak perfectly. So I peaked at Bucks Championships where I ran a PB and I won. Yeah. And then went on to meddling and get my first ever medal at British Champs. So, like, it's it's all about building a foundation throughout the winter period. Yeah. And then slowly progressing onto, like, more technical and more speed and more, like, fine-tuning things as it comes to competitions. Yeah. And so now, with, I mean, do I mean, I know this is this is sort of a... Uh, maybe an obvious question but is it is it annoying like what was your what was your like kind of feeling when you realized that all that kind of gradual planning and careful kind of meticulous kind of setting it out how are you going to improve intensify the training blocks how was that then to realize oh this is not this this is basically put on hold or this isn't going to be for this yeah. this season it was annoying obviously because i'd worked so hard over the last like six or seven months because uh, I, I really wanted to do big things this year yeah but it's also it's not too bad because i know that i can do that sort of training so yeah. i know that i can get back into this position and get back into the top fitness that i was in and possibly even better because now it's given me time to focus on other things that i didn't really focus on before because maybe i didn't have time yeah so i can actually like build a routine build a foundation and then we can work off of that as well so it's a blessing in disguise there's like a silver lining to every great cloud yeah and i guess i and i guess there's now a lot of time where do you are you able to kind of watch back your your previous races and then is that has there been a lot of that since this kind of stay at home thing you've been able to have more time kind of studying your previous races and kind of seeing where there's little gaps where you can improve and take a few seconds off a time and you know um yeah, push for another PB. Is that has there been a lot more of that then? Yeah, no, exactly. There's been so much of that because um, I always tend to, if we watch good and bad races, all of them, just so then in the yeah. bad ones, I can see what I did wrong and how to improve it. And I can talk to my coach about that. And then the good ones, I can sort of relive it in a way and sort of train my mind, even though I can't physically train. So it's just, I see that yeah. as like, another way of um, imagining future performances in a way um, by like reliving the old ones and like projecting that forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is a good kind of transition to talk about the races that you have competed in, uh, in February, for instance. Uh, you had a very successful February, I would say. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to kick off with, was it, and I know this is now going back a few years, but um, what was the adjustment from competing um competing when you're a you know a school student to university sports was there was there a step up was there a transition to that and then and then i've got another question about transition but we, we can ask that one i can ask that one first what was, what was the transition like from school kind of level sports to university level sports to bucks so school level sports was always something that like i looked forward to i've always enjoyed it um and obviously it was difficult at the time because um, you were competing against like some of the top people in the country, for example. So English schools, there's literally all of the top athletes from each school around the country who come to compete with each other. And it 
I'd probably say it was the best way to like progress onto university competitions because you're used to that sort of environment and you know how to handle it as well. So when I came to university, um, it sort of felt like I knew what to do and like how to go about um, doing these competitions. Um, but it also helps that I had an amazing coach who brought me through the age groups. Um, yeah. So Tony Jarrett, who's the uh, one of the best uh, British hurdlers that we've ever had. Um, I was so lucky to have him as a coach. And he helped me get into the mentality of essentially being like an elite athlete, because obviously he knew from personal experience uh, how to get into that mentality. And um, he always gave me great advice and the training sessions that we did were perfectly suited to progress me onto the um, senior settings, essentially. So yeah. I feel like a combination of those two kind of just helped me smoothly transition into university competitions. Yeah, and um, it's fair to say that that transition went pretty well. I mean, you won the you were the Bucks indoor sixty meter hurdles champion um, yeah. a few months ago, um, and you're also the South of England champion in which was all in yes. that same month of February, and then there's the British Championship. So, talk me through that because that's a, there's a lot of um, I mean, we talk we we spoke about how you'd been kind of your training, you you, you know, you time your training for these kind of events. Um, and you spoke about the winter season, how much work you'd put in. So, I mean, you obviously knew you had you were going to go through all these events in February. So, just talk me through. How did you kind of just take it step by step, event by event? Was that kind of the mindset? Um, what was the preparation like? So, it was actually yeah, it was exactly that. So, um, I kind of took it competition by competition. Yeah, and even within that competition, I took it race by race. Because you can never know what happens in a race. Like hurdles is so unpredictable because you could hit a hurdle and completely mess up the race, or you could have the perfect race and just kind of like surprise everyone. Um, and I feel like that kind of happened at South of England champs. Um, so I was going in as one of the top three athletes, but I, I didn't really expect to win in a way because I, I was one of the youngest as well. So I just assumed go out there, have a bit of fun, just like, yeah, get used to being in these sort of, um, in these sort of environments. Um, the first race was when the first race went quite smoothly. And the second race, um, I kind of, it sounds a bit weird, but I kind of like blanked out in a way. Um, because sometimes when you have such a good race, it kind of feels like you switch off and you kind of just go into autopilot. Yeah. And I felt that during that race and, it once I crossed the line, it kind of just hit me that I had actually won it, and then after that, all the emotions came through. Yeah. I got I was so excited, so emotional with my family as well. Um, and that was my first senior like gold medal as well. So it was a massive thing for me. And then um, I kind of took that excitement and that sort of mentality into Bucks as well. Now, Bucks was actually quite of a, uh, it was quite a weird competition because it, we ran the heats normal, it was fine. But then when it came to the final, um, we ran the race. However, there was a full start. And normally there's like a recall gun to basically tell the athletes to stop running. But because 
the audience were cheering so loud and it was sort of like um, an electric buzzer, if anything, rather than an actual gun. Um, none of the athletes heard it. So we all finished oh, the wow. race. We all actually ran, even though it was a full start, but nobody knew. Yeah. And I had actually just won that race. Um, so obviously I was celebrating across the line. Yeah, um, but then as you would. Literally, sorry. As you would, as that's, yeah. yeah. Exactly, like initial reactions should just be like that. <laughs> but um, then an official came over to us and tell, basically broke the news that it was a full start. And now we had to essentially go back to the start and run the race again. <laughs> so we had about five minutes to recover. Um, the person who did the full start got disqualified. And then we were back in the box, ready to run the race again. And I had never been in a situation like that before. So there were so many thoughts and like emotions going around my head. But um, I just kind of had to focus and just like take away all um, worries about what could happen, what could have been if that wasn't a full start, etc. Um, and just focus on like that race again, the one that's about to happen. Um, the race went again and luckily I won. So it, it felt yeah. nice to kind of like confirm my gold in box, but, um, it was a roller coaster of a competition. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, um, just, I mean, in general, I guess, just talk me through, I mean, you, you, you kind of, you went into detail there about what it's like when you kind of have a false start happen and then you kind of have to prepare yourself to do that same thing again. But is it, does it, does it, does it affect like your mental state? Do you then think, especially because you'd won, does it, does it, does it seem like, oh no, like I have to, like, does it, does it feel like a setback in terms of like mentally, in terms of, oh no, I have to, you know, do this again. And I, you know, it, it, when you had, even you thought you had it in the bag, like just, yeah. It was sort of a bit of both. Um, so Initially, I was thinking, oh, no, I need to do this again. I need to I need to not mess up. Otherwise, this will be so embarrassing if I won once and then failed the other time. Um, and, like, so many negative things like that were going through my mind. But at the same time, I was also thinking that in training, we do repetitive, like, we do um, repeated sprints so many times. And we literally have to do it to perfection. That's how we, like, aim to improve improve ourselves, especially in the hurdles. So I just thought to myself, like, just calm down, think of it like a training session, you're just doing another repetition, essentially. And I just tried to focus on that, really, just focus yeah. on my technique, because when the technique is right, that's mm -hmm. when everything just kind of clicks. Yeah. And I think for me, the main thing was just to try and stay calm, because obviously, once I got told it was a full start, my heart was pounding, because not only did I have the adrenaline from the race, but I was also like, oh, I need to do this again. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was a a weird mix of emotions for sure. No, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um and then, you know, following from that, then you went on to go to the British Championships. Um which again, I mean I it's a bit like I said I was gonna ask you about transition, but then the step up from Bucks to British Championships, is there is there actually a major step up? Because obviously a lot of the top comp competitors at Bucks I imagine are at the British Championships as well. So is it is it that daunting, I guess, to then have 
you know that you're going to the British Championships, it's like oh, like national kind of thing. Is it is it a bit of a step up? Is it is it daunting at all, or is it kind of like I know roughly who my competitors are? It's just another race. Um, it's kind of hard to say. I'd probably say for like maybe the first few years of being a senior and actually doing British champs, it's always yeah. going to be daunting because it is yeah. British champs. Like, yeah, it's um, such a big thing, and like it's always uh, publicized, and basically everybody watches it, and everyone, like every top athlete essentially in the UK, goes there. Mm. So, it of, of course I was nervous, and like it was essentially the pinnacle of my indoor season. Yeah. Um, so it was daunting in that sense. But like you said, a lot of the competitors that were at Bucks were also at British Champs. So I sort of knew who I was going to be competing against. But you just, again, you just never really know what's going to happen in the competition. So, yeah, yeah. it was a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, um, and for, for the for those who don't know, for the viewers who don't know, um, you came third in that. Um, you got bronze medal, which is an a very an amazing achievement, um, for sure. Um, and and yeah, and then you've also competed for England at um at a European meet. Am I right in Slovakia in Bratislava? Yes, in Bratislava yeah. yeah. What what was that experience like to represent? Yo, I mean, again, we talk about like British Championships is like, like it sounds scary. Representing England must also have that same kind of daunting yet exciting feeling as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, initially when I got the call, I kind of I didn't even realize that um, I was even in contention for it, to be honest. <laughs> and then I got the call for it, and then everything just kind of changed. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm about to represent England as as a senior athlete for the first time ever. Yeah. So obviously it was such a great feeling, but it I think I wasn't really nervous until I actually got to the stadium. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when I when we met as a team in the airport, um everyone was so calm, everyone was so nice and I've made a lot of friends that I will like I will keep for life essentially. Um and it was quite a nice way to sort of like relax into it. Then when I actually got to the track and I saw the other competitors, that's when it kind of like sunk in. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, I actually need to <laughs> compete against these people now." Um, yeah, but it—I feel like it was difficult at the time to sort of mask my nerves and like emotions, just because um, I haven't like this is the first time that I've been on a senior team um but it was also a learning curve in a way so i didn't do too well in the heats but i did a lot better in the final um ended up coming third overall which was amazing um and then i was able to pick out those mistakes and like see what i did wrong and i'm going to use that now like for future things as well so yeah um yeah, I mean, it, you know, you talk, yeah, as as you said, you know, to, representing England is, yeah, for sure, something that you kind of, oh, it's, I, I don't know, I would, I've never been in that position, so I wouldn't know what to, how to feel for that, but um, 
But um, yeah, that's you've had a yeah a really interesting career so far. Unfortunately, this season's obviously been halted. But you know, is what what are your like aspirate like what would you aspire to going forward from like post? I mean, obviously you're we I don't know if we've said it or not, but you're you're you've just you're in your final year studying at university. So, what going forward? What's the next step, or what are you hoping or aspiring to get to? I'm I'm so, guessing the Olympics. My 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 simple brain tells me the Olympics, but I know it's going to be. There's a more. There's a few more steps before you get there. Well, yeah. <laughs> if only I could just jump straight to the Olympics. Yeah, I know. But of course, the Olympics is like a big aim. So like that is essentially the reason. Well, not the reason that I'm in the sport, but it's definitely something that I've been striving for ever since I started when I was 13, and I. I've always thought of it as um, an end goal. So there are so many competitions that I want to build my way up to um, in order to get through to the Olympics as well. So for example, um, like you said, I'm in my final year, well, I'll be in my final year of university in September. And next year will be my final year of Bucks. So to win, win that again would be amazing to retain my title. Um, and then next year there is a European Under Twenty Three Championships in Norway, okay. and that is that has been my aim to be fair for the last two years. Mm. So we've been working towards that, and um, hopefully I'll get there and see what happens there. Essentially, um, we like you never know what will happen next year as well. So like I could have a blinder yeah. of a season, actually end up at the Olympics. Um, <laughs> so I just I'm just kind of like training hard, working hard and keeping a positive attitude and kind of like using that to progress myself onto future things. Yeah, and um, I remember when I when I reached out to you, I asked kind of what year did you kind of start doing athletics and you said 2012 and yes. it, it doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of detective work to know that London 2012 <laughs> Olympics was obviously the same year. So was yes, that exactly. a major inspiration for you, like to see what those athletes were doing was that the thing that got you into athletics the um having it obviously in in london in the uk um and being able to see all these um top world-class athletes do what they do was that something that inspired you to take up the sport in the first place yeah exactly so i i sort of had been into athletics beforehand but i'd never like taken it seriously so I'd always done um, 100 meters and long jump at sports day. And um, in primary school, we did like sports hall events, which is sort of like um, progression onto athletics. Um, but in 2012, after watching the Olympics, I just saw the joy and like, um, <clears throat> I saw how proud how everyone was of people that had like been successful at the Olympics. So for example, Super Saturday um, was such a, inspirational um thing to happen essentially and it kind of like sparked something within me and i just thought i want something like this i really want to be an olympian i want to be a champion um and my mum and my brother took me down to a local track essentially and i've just not looked back since <laughs> it's yeah it's been my life for like the last uh, seven and a half years coming up to eight now yeah um are there were there any athletes in particular that kind of inspired inspired you then, or are there are there still some that inspire you now? Like who would you say are your sporting kind of inspirations or the the people you look up to? 
So initially, um, it was people such as like Jess Ennis, uh, mm. Usain Bolt, Mo Farah, um, yeah. etc. Like the list goes on because um, yeah. there are just so many athletes that I look up to for many different reasons. Um, but as I got older and as I um, delved deeper into hurdles, I realized that there were so many more people that I could be inspired by. Um, and I mentioned before that Tony Jarrett is my coach. When I first met him, I, it felt like I was in like a, I, I was, eh, sorry, I felt like I was in a trance mm -hmm. because I had heard so much about him. I'd seen him race, like I'd seen videos of him racing from previous years and to actually meet him and then for him to coach me was just such an, it, it was such an inspiration and things like that kind of like keep me ticking over. And um, I actually had the opportunity to come to not complete, I wish, uh, to yeah. carry at um, World Champs in 2017, which uh, is also right. in London. Yeah, yeah. I got to meet and like essentially like walk past <laughs> so many top athletes and to see them in the flesh and to see them actually compete mm -hmm. um, and do what they do best was another thing that sort of sparked a fire in me. Yeah. And I want to one day get to that level and actually Absolutely. succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's been plenty of British. You mentioned um, Tony Jack. You've got Colin Jackson as well. You've mentioned Colin your. Jackson, of course, yeah, yeah, you've got. There's been a lot of world class British hurdlers um, for sure. Andy Posey. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> we've got. Um, we've got. A, we, we're we're going to switch gears, and I wanted to ask you about your the the. I don't know article kind of self penned article you wrote for Sky Sports. Um, yeah. Uh, but again, reminder for those who are watching, um, please send in your questions and comment along. Um, if you wanna, if you heard something there you wanna uh, ask Ethan about further, or if there's something that we're going to talk about, yeah, just feel free to send in a question or comment. Um, that would be appreciative. Um, so yeah, we we um, part of the reason how I found you was from that Sky Sports um, article. Um, uh, you wrote you. I mean, we should say you came out as gay in 2015. I believe that's yeah. Um, and you wrote an article about how coming out had helped you in athletics. So, um, I guess my first question is, um, how did you? Was it your decision to write that? Like, how did you? How did it come to? Did they approach you to write that article? Like, how did? Why did you want to kind of um, share your experiences on? like sky sports is obviously a major platform here what so what would why why did you feel why did you feel compelled or what, what was it about it that got you to write about it so i'm i had the opportunity came up through um this network that i am sort of a co-founder of um we it's called athletics pride network and um we were recently founded actually um only um, in December was our first meeting and um, we have um, a connection with someone called John Holmes who um, is a um, journalist and he gave us the opportunity to um, talk to Sky Sports and sort of like get some more positive coming out stories out there um, and I hadn't actually openly come out as gay in athletics until that point so it was a big thing but I feel like 
it was important as well because despite there being like um despite the fact that we've come such a long way um in uh lgbt rights i believe that we still need to have more like positive coming out stories um so that people can get inspired and hopefully find their way to authenticity and actually just be their true selves yeah and, um yeah and so like i thought um doing that article with sky sports would be like a great way to get another one out there especially with um especially with me being um a young black athlete as well so it's because you don't really see a many young athletes actually coming out as gay in their sport um but also the black community sort of don't really talk about it like there's not many openly gay black men or women so i'm hoping that hopefully we can change that in the future yeah and um you know it's obviously right now currently the world is in a very difficult spot there's obviously a lot of things going on right now um how important do you feel it is to use your i mean i know and we'll we'll actually we'll put it down here we'll plug we'll put down we've got your instagram here so people can follow you on instagram um there it is it should come up now um and twitter and obviously and all the social media platforms how important do you find it is to use your social media platform to speak out about issues like that you're passionate about like um lgbt rights in sport um how important do you find that you need how important is it for you to use said platforms i think it's extremely important to be honest because social media is such an integral part of society now everybody uses it everyone finds information through it and to get um to make um lgbt people like people of the community and allies um more visible is such an important thing because visibility is key for understanding and acceptance and once people understand they can be able, they will be able to accept themselves and this will then lead to more people coming out and more people feeling comfortable to just be themselves and also other people can educate themselves and they can learn what not to say what to say how to deal with it uh, how to um sort of like talk about it when um somebody does come out to you um and other things like that so i feel like especially through this athletics pride network we can yeah find like a way for people to um feel as though they feel safe and like they can actually just talk to people because i think that is a key thing as well because not many people talk about lgbt or um how they identify um so i feel like especially from personal experience talking to someone just takes like such a big weight off of you and it kind of feels like you're not holding like so many things back anymore yeah and i think it's also the best way to get people to listen which is seems to be the theme certainly recent times you know everyone's put an emphasis on you know people need to be not necessarily kind of maybe not necessarily kind of speaking on things that they don't know about but more listening to it first and then kind of before coming to a conclusion on something so yeah absolutely um and you, you've mentioned twice the Athletics Pride Network. I was gonna actually, I was gonna. It's good. It's a good segue. Um, you, you mentioned your your co-founder oh, of it. Froze. Sorry, could you say that again? Sorry, you froze um, a little bit. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Athletics Pride Network. Um, that you helped co-found in December. Um, you know how how was it? Was it? 
was it i mean you mentioned you had a you had you had a journalist john holmes yeah so you, you had some people there to kind of help you put it together um how has it since helped you like how's it how is it now that it exists how does it help an athlete what kind of support does it give on a you know regular basis is it um or is it kind of is it something that is is it what what how do people how do athletes like yourself how have you been having how have you found it helpful to use it so um it's a good to at the moment we have um a private facebook group where um people can join they can come and talk and I find this really useful, especially for me um, personally, because I never really knew that many gay or um, LGBT athletes like within the UK. So it's quite nice to sort of connect with with different people and see like the experiences that they go through. And it's a good way for me to understand <clears throat> troubles that they may have come across because luckily I've actually had quite a, um, quite an easy coming easy coming out story in a sense i've not really come into a confrontation with um homophobic people or like um i've not really had many um situations where people or groups of people have been homophobic to me in any way um so it's really good for me to understand the struggles that other people went through so then i can sort of lead the pathway to people not doing those sort of things anymore yeah because once we know what it is that we want to fight against we know how to fight against it in a way yeah and prevent it from happening again yeah yeah absolutely and um i uh, you know i saw that you yeah, i think it's a great way for people to come share story Lee. yeah absolutely and i i, I saw oh, that sorry, you froze again oh uh, i did am i am i there now hello oh, okay no, sorry okay um I saw that you, you know, you started wearing um, rainbow-colored laces when you um, when you compete. Was that um, first of all? Was that something that you was that something you came up with, or did someone kind of approach you and say, "Hey, here's we've we've got these kind of laces that you can wear for these events. Would you like to wear them? How did that kind of come about? And then how important is it for you to have them as a kind of a visible symbol of what you're passionate about, what you stand up for while you're competing?" So um, initially, I actually just got the laces during Pride last year, and I decided to put them on my white spikes because it was a good way for me to sort of like, like you said, be visible um, within the athletic space. And I think it's so important to have things like this because this is actually how Athletics Pride Network was created. Because um, at British Champs last year, um, a coach with one of my competitors, Andy Paul, saw my rainbow laces and said we should do something like we should create um a network that um sort of like makes it easier for lgbtq plus p um athletes and coaches and officials etc to actually come together and sort of converse and like we can share stories see and um sort of like create a plan to improve engagement in um, athletics as well. And since then, it's kind of just snowballed and it's progressed and we've had so many more members come in and we now have a nice 
solid core um, core group members um, who sort of organize and um, do everything behind the scenes. And then we have the general members as well. And yeah, no, it's, it's it all kind of derived from those rainbow laces. <laughs> so yeah. if I hadn't have done that, we may not have been creating this um, network. So it's yeah. such a great way for like, it, it, like I said before, visibility is key. And it, yeah. it just kind of shows the proof is in the pudding in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. For sure. And um, I, you know, I've, uh, I mentioned to you this in the break, but I'll just bring it up now. So recently we had, there was a footballer um, well, who plays for Real Madrid um, and he kind of made um, Tony Cruz, I'm going to name him. Uh, it's a public interview. It's fine. Um, I'm not shaming him, um, but he did, he did say, he wasn't sure if he'd recommend if someone, if a player, if a current footballer should come out as gay publicly. Um, he cited how there's a lot of emotion experience in the stands. Certain words are used on the field. I can't assure you that they'd be insulted. Um, they, he, he, you know, he does say that he would, they would certainly get the support of many teams, but he's not sure if it would, you know, happen in front of rival or, you know, comp other competitive teams, if fans would, you know, refrain from insulting the player personally, yeah. using such insults. Now, I know, obviously, you're, you're a hurdler, so I don't know how much you'd be, you'd know too much about the ongoings of football, whatever, but um, just in terms of a general point of view, is it is it a case of football's waiting for, oh, is it kind of like football needs or not, I wouldn't say needs, but once someone does come out, then it'll become normalized because it appears like it's like on the edge of a kind of, it's, it's on the edge really. And like, as soon as one domino falls, I feel like it will just become a lot more normalized. So do you think football's kind of waiting for that one, mo that one person to break through the ice, shall we say, and then have it then become a normal conversation? Yeah, I think, I think exactly that actually, because, um, there's sort of like a it's a bit of a difficult one just because football sort of focuses on um masculinity in a way and sometimes people don't really associate being gay with masculine so there can be like a bit of a conflict um but i feel like if more people did just openly come out as gay and um like they they sort of like ask for support from their fans then i'm sure that um eventually like you said it will just kind of be normalized and like nobody would think that it's weird in a sense or anything along those lines um but i think it's a lot easier in sports such as athletics because everything's quite equal and like everyone's quite included um but I don't know, I can't really say too yeah. much about it just because yeah, like yeah. I said I don't really know too much on the football situation. But I feel yeah. like yeah, it just kinda needs that one person or one group of people to sort of like stand their ground and let their voices be heard essentially. Yeah. I mean I should add that that it he was talking in terms of male football because in female women's football there's a lot of um LGBT people, LGBT plus people in in, in women's football, so um i'll just add that little caveat there but um you know i think in your in the article you mentioned about tom bosworth obviously who who came out um he is 
a well-known athlete in the British in the British athletics community. Um, so, how first of all, how significant was that for him? Was him coming out for you personally as a as a as um as a young LGBT plus athlete who I don't know if you I don't I can't quite remember if it was the same time or not or whether he came out before you did but was it suddenly significant for you was it kind of inspiring for you oh definitely because um it was it was actually the year after I so it was the year after I came out to my friends um but it was a couple of years before I actually came out to my friends. um so it was it was quite nice seeing someone at an elite level within my sport openly come out as gay and like it was like quite inspiring actually um and um speaking of tom bosworth he's actually one of the core members of this athletics pride network so he clearly wants to help everyone else as well even the people that he doesn't even know that he's affected already with his coming out um and yeah he's just he's such an inspiration and it, it's it's people like that that sport sports need um just like openly gay visible um athletes who are happy to help and happy to talk about things as well yeah and i think i know i mean going back to the, the football thing i think football needs someone of that maybe of that profile maybe of a higher profile and then want it to come out and once they do i think then it will be hopefully a normalized kind of situation and everything will be cool exactly, yeah. um i think we well we're gonna we're sort of slowly coming to the end i've got some quick kind of quick fire sort of questions to kind of round off um the first being uh what's your favorite music to listen to before uh before a, an event before a track attract me Ooh, good question um I don't know. It kind of it kind of changes. I feel like anything with um, anything that's quite upbeat, um, nothing too slow. It's, uh, I usually listen to pop music, but it's it can change because like certain songs kind of bring out different emotions in me in a way. Um, so it kind of just depends on my mood. But usually, um, usually, oh. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Hang on. We're going to hopefully get you back. And uh, there we go. Yep. Yeah, we're good. Sorry. My phone just did a weird thing there. No worries. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything with like a good beat and something that just kind of like makes me feel active and like. Something like do a do a leap stuff. Something like. Uh, so, like, yeah, physical. Um, uh, Trying to think what else was on because I actually have like a, a competition slash training playlist. Oh wow! Um, um, I have some inspirational things as well on there. So, yeah. um, Champion by Fallout Boys. Like the lyrics could just kind of um, yeah. Like if I can live through this and I can do anything, kind of thing. Um, just to get me into that mentality, and then Hall of Fame, again, just to get me into that mentality and stuff yeah. like that. Nice. Um, do you have a guilty pleasure movie? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't actually. I've not actually seen too many movies. I actually. That's kind of why I gave myself like the movie theme this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to um, but it's not really a guilty pleasure. Just 
all around pleasure. The Incredibles. <laughs> it's uh, always been my yeah. favorite since I was younger. Uh, Incredibles yeah, yeah. 2 was so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, Disney and Pixar always know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, okay, what kind of ice cream flavor would you choose normally? I would say, oh, there's one that I came across. I think it was in Sainsbury's. Um, it was like salted caramel with honeycomb. Oh. oh my goodness <laughs> it, it's amazing <laughs> oh man that is yeah i might need to go get my get my ice cream after this um exactly. <laughs> do you have an ideal holiday destination um i would say jamaica because um yeah. i went with my family a few years ago and it was such a great experience like i'd love to yeah. go back again yeah i similarly i'd pick an island a tropical island um i'd probably pick hawaii which i've been once as a kid and that was yeah it was amazing uh we talked about you being in your final year of uni so these last two questions are related to that what's one thing you'll miss about the university experience about the um i feel like i'll miss sort of like being surrounded by my friends in a way and like making new friends as well because um i work i work on campus as well so i'm constantly coming in contact with um new students and just new people um and i quite like that interactivity so i feel like i'll miss that quite a lot when i'm when i graduate yeah and the last question now being the reverse what's one thing you'll be glad to uh, not miss or leave behind shall we say uh well, it sounds relatively cliche, but the the stress of coursework and exams. <laughs> yeah. I'll be I'll be happy to leave that part behind, but um, I'll be glad to like actually get the degree from it. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, well, that kind of wraps it up. So uh, we we can find Ethan. Your Instagram's down there. Do you is there any uh, anything else you want to plug? Any? Do you want to plug anything else or just Instagram? Um, just to um, again look for look out for the Athletics Pride Network because it's such a great cause and it's something that anyone can get involved with, even allies. So it's a great way to sort of like promote more LGBT inclusion within athletics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Check that out. Um, if you're watching this, maybe you're inspired by what we've kind of talked about. Hopefully, then definitely go and check it out. Just Google it and you'll probably find it. Um, my thanks go to Ethan for joining me. Thank you so much for taking some time out to spend this 50 minutes or so. Um, Thank you for and, having me on here as well. Oh, no worries. Absolutely. Um, and also, be just check out raw 51 am on our socials for all the other things we're doing for pride week uh this was our this was the sports kind of major major event but obviously we've got news department music department doing different things arts are also kind of highlighting different lgbt figures uh a day so go just check out what we're doing for this week um to kind of celebrate uh pride week and raw sport we will be back uh hopefully this weekend with um with some uh with something a broadcast of some sort uh so stay tuned and um yeah thanks for watching along